Making Britain's Conversation. This is a podcast from LBC. James O'Brien. It's time for the most fun-filled hour of the week, or at least in terms of the hours that we spend together. I hope you possibly have more fun in another hour when I'm not there, but that's possibly a little intimate for four minutes after 12 on a Thursday afternoon. Do you know what Mystery Hour is? Of course you do. May you may not. I'll explain briefly, all right? It's quite straightforward. You have, bubbling away in the back of your brain, a question to which you need to find an answer. It may be a relative, it may strike you as a relatively banal question, but if you think that loads of other people, once they hear the question, might also share your interest in the answer, I'd like to hear it. It can be silly or it can be deadly serious. It could demand the intervention of a nuclear scientist or a, um, a brain surgeon, or it could be a question that might be answerable by someone who happened to see a relevant television program on, on the goggle box last night. That, that's, that's the whole point. Anything goes. The goalposts couldn't be wider. In fact, the only thing that would stop you from being... <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know why that happens. I've got to be honest with you. A few of you commenting on the fact that I did, did sort of try to rap a bit in the last portion of the program. I, I, I can only apologise. You have to at least acknowledge it proves we're live no one would do that if they gave it any thought beforehand so what we tried to do on mystery the only two things that would get you disqualified um or, or, or just perturbed discouraged from contributing would be dullness which is in the ear of the beholder so thomas and beth are answering your calls today if they politely give the impression that your question's a bit rubbish please politely hang up and move along don't try and convince them that it's great or ring back again and again and again because it just spoils it for every spoils it for everybody else you're letting yourself down. No, you're letting me down. You're letting Mystery Hour down. But most of all, you're letting yourself down. Uh, the number is the same as it is throughout the week on the programme. But there's also, of course, a number. You, you bring the same number if you can answer the question that somebody else asks. If your answer sounds plausible, you will be asked what your qualifications are. And your qualifications, as I just mentioned, could be anything from a, a, a PhD in nuclear physics through to... Oh, I saw it on, I saw it on Peaky Blinders last week, James. Anything goes as a quality. All it is is the proof that you are telling the truth, and I will take the final judgment on that. My decision is final. If you are, and I should mention this, because we had a couple recently, and they are very special moments... If your qualifications for answering the question that you ask are impeccable to the point of almost being unbelievable. So if, for example, we had a question about a certain type of uh, rare breed, and that rare breed that we mentioned earlier, that there are only 12 breeding females left in the country, and you rang in to answer the question, and you were the farmer who had those 12 breeding females... Or if you were to ask a question, uh, answer a question for which a tiny number of people in the country could possibly be qualified, and you're qualified because you are actually a toaster designer, or you played football with Gil Scott Heron's dad in Kidderminster in the 1950s. You see what I mean? If your qualifications for answering the question have a hell of a lot to do with your personal journey in life and leave you in a tiny minority, you will get what we call a Rayliota. If you don't know what a Rayliota is, you, you'll find out one day, hopefully today, but one can make no promises. Phones have rung off the hook. I didn't even mention it was Mystery Hour before the news. Did you notice that? And the, and the, the old, the A-team is back together. My friend and colleague, Jones the Engineer, who has um, not been here for a while. He was here last week, but he, he, he is no longer a member of the permanent staff here at LBC. He is a professional poker player now. 
and it's going so well. He's back here for a month. So we are the A team is back. So what is it? What's that Thin Lizzy song? The boys are back in town, which means that the quality of banter should be higher because Jones often says funny things in my ear as I speak to you, which I then pass off as my own. And if I'm honest, some of them might actually be funnier than anything I could have come up with myself. Eight minutes after 12 is the time. Shall we crack on? Nick's in Fairham. Nick, question or answer? Hello, James. Uh, question, please. Carry on. OK, um, so you know in Westerns where the cowboy goes into the saloon, goes up to the bar, normally has a gunfight? Yes. Get, getting into that saloon, he has to go through the swing doors that start at sort of knee height and go up to shoulder height and open in the middle. I was wondering, are those actually real? Because what happens when the guy wants to lock up for the night... How does he secure the premises? And from what I've seen on Westerns from outside, they don't seem to have any shutters or anything that come down and cover So you're it basing your shot. knowledge entirely on, on Hollywood films? <laughs> uh, your your yeah. understanding of, of saloon bar architecture in 19th century Wild West America? Uh, absolutely, yes. Nothing it, wrong with that? It, no, I, I'll tell you what, I, I was watching Shane the other week. Great film. Yes. Um, I've never actually seen it. Oh, um, Jack Palance. He's got, yeah, he's got, he's got, he's got a baby face, doesn't he? he doesn't really look like your typical. We're, di- we're digressing but, slightly. Talk to me yeah, about no, doors. No, no. Yeah, but and, and they had this sort of. I mean, he he went through at the end of the film. He goes through night, doesn't he, to confront the guy, and he gets there, and it's all open up. And I thought, well, I'm sure they're not open twenty four seven. Why? Why are, are you sure of up. that? Oh, <laughs> poor the poor um, like the bar's got to sleep at some time. Well, be on it. There'd be a rotor. <laughs> no, because they're usually hotels, and 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 it's not beyond the realms of possibility that if there's people sleeping upstairs, there's somebody on duty downstairs all night. Yeah, that's very true. So it, it may well. It's be a lovely question. I, I was preparing to mock you for this question when I saw it on the board, but I actually quite like it. <laughs> oh, thank goodness for that. <laughs> so, are saloon bar swing doors in the Wild West? Is that a historically yeah. accurate depiction? Um, yeah. And if so, you're not really allowed supplementaries, but I'm going to make an exception right. in your case, because I like the question so much. If so, well, the only answer could be that it was staffed all night. If they exist, there must have been someone in there. So yeah, we, we only need the first question. The first question is, are they real? Is it true? Because if they are real, if it is true, they must have had somebody. They're not just going to leave the bourbon there to be stolen by Billy the Kid, are they? Absolutely. Yeah, that would, that would suit me definitely. Good man. Don't ring in and ask for the origin of the phrase suit me down to a T. I hate it when that happens. Des is in Collindale. Des, question or answer? Hello, James. There's a question. Carry on, Des. Um, I'm afraid it's a word derivation one. Well, you're al- um, we're allowed one a week, so I hope it's oh, a good right, one. OK. Um, uh, one-off, com- one-off performance, usually of comedy, is, refi- regarded, is re- referred to as a gig. And some musical performances, too, if it's a one-off, it's a gig. I know this. It's also the gig economy. I know this. The other other night, I I heard one of your late-night colleagues describe Chris Patton's governorship of Hong Kong as a great gig. Now, where does this word come from? 1920s. 1920s jazz. it It comes from the word engagement. Oh, right. So, you know what those jazz musicians were like, man? They had their own lingo. Yeah. Oh, right. The, the only thing I could think of, which was really way out and unlikely, was mm. in, the, in at least in a comedy performance, maybe it was Gag. sort of a giggle. 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 No, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think you should be embarrassed by that theory, despite the fact that it's completely wrong. Right. <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay, well, there's a... Uh, the reason I know is because I, I think it's popped up before, and it is. There's also... Uh, I think there's another theory that hinges on the definition of gig as a little carriage. You know, have you heard that? A horse and gig? Oh, yeah. The horse and buggy, yeah. That kind of thing. But but I think the received wisdom is that it was it was a jazz uh, argo. It was a, the vocabulary of 1920s jazz musicians where an engagement would be a gig. Have you got a gig tonight? Oh. Have you got a gig oh. tonight, Des? Des is quite a jazz name, isn't it? It is, yeah. Des, <laughs> I like it. Okay, so round of yeah. applause for me, Des. Good question. Yeah, okay, thanks. Thank you, Des. Jazzy Des. Jane's in Ealing. Jane, question or answer? Question, please. Carry on. Um, uh, my question is, oh, I've forgotten it. Oh, yes, no, with, with foreign languages, like French, Spanish, German, mm. um, who did or does decide whether a word is female or masculine? Oh, that's strong. Mm. Isn't it? <laughs> I didn't think it was compared to the first question. but I now. like the first question, swing doors, still waiting yeah. on that. I, 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 yeah. I, I'd have a, an appalling grasp of language um well i did think it was something to do with whether it ends or starts with an n or an e or what things like that but I, it doesn't seem to follow and then my my following question i don't know if i'm allowed one is like are, are they the same in other languages that's like, what i would want to know actually because that would speak of us i don't think they are actually. well then well then then it's even more confusing isn't it because if they've got mm, the same yeah. root and then, and then we identify an ancient language uh, probably latin possibly greek mm. And and they imputed gender. We can know why the Romans imputed gender to words, and then that would leak through all the Germanic and Latin languages. But what started this off was um, I was in Spain, and somebody, my child, asked me what a beard is in Spain, and I said la barba. La barba. Female. Yeah. Ah. Why yeah. would a beard be female? Exactly. So. Except in the other, rather more modern definition of the word, where, where a, be a beard would be female, because it, 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 she's accompanying a gay man pretending to be straight. Yeah, I've, I've lost the room that. there. You, do, you have heard of that. Did I ever tell you yeah. what happened in Kidderminster regarding the gender of the word brasserie? No. You, I've got to be honest with you, Jane. You don't sound like you want to know. Oh, no, I like your stories about Kidderminster. So, I, one of my first jobs was as a waiter at a rather nice restaurant in Kidderminster on Lower Mill Street. called It's now called La Brasserie. I was quite a bumptious teenager, as I'm sure you could imagine. And one of the first things I told the bloke who'd only had the restaurant open for two or three months after I started working there as a waiter was that he'd got the gender wrong. And he'd had all the napkins printed and all the, like the signage done outside the restaurant as Le brasserie luckily he kept me employed so anyway back to my question well hang on a minute i, I don't share these anecdotes for for, for for my own entertainment jane i don't introduce you to the subculture of kidderminster for my own entertainment it's it's for yours is, is there a book on kidderminster coming out soon with your with your anecdotes no my my next book is called how to be right but after that i might actually you see how the publisher feels about a Kidderminster-based collection of anecdotes. I think, uh, thank you, Jane. I'll, I'll put you on a commission. Uh, in the meantime, I will try to find out who decides what gender is is apportioned to a word in languages like like French and German. You're listening to a podcast of James O'Brien from LBC. I've spoken to my publisher. He's not he's not mad keen on the Kidderminster anecdotes idea. So uh, I don't know. I have to go back to the drawing board. Um, do you know something I find really interesting? We'll crack on with mystery momentarily. What's the difference between funny and not funny? 
So, like, comic timing. You, you could give, for example, some words to Paul Merton, and he would deliver them in a way that made you wet yourself. The, 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 the man is funny. He's, he's funny in his bones. I had the privilege of sitting next to him on Have I Got News For You, and, frankly... The idea that I got paid for that is one of the funniest things that's ever happened to me in my life. I'd have paid, I'd have paid thousands of pounds to sit next to Paul Martin on Have I Got News For You? They paid me the mugs. But you could give exactly the same words to me or, or to, you know, somebody humourless. And, and they just wouldn't work. And, and, and then it's not just delivery either. Sometimes the addition of words don't change the meaning of anything but completely change how funny it is. I'm just, just saying all this, because Gary Burton sent me a tweet after Jane, the last caller, who was gloriously unimpressed by my Kidderminster anecdote, mentioned the word... It's surprising that the word barb is female in uh, Spanish, la barba. Well, I think it's female in French as well, isn't it, la barb? Because one thinks of beards as being an essentially male thing. And Gary's tweeted at Mr James O'B. Gary Burton tweeted, My nan had a beard. Bless her. And the bless her is what makes it funny. Isn't it? It's not that my nan had a beard. That's mildly amusing. My nan had a beard. Bless her. I think that elevates it into a, into a much different level of funny. I, I don't know. Is there something I can read about this? I, I find it really interesting. But I digress, perhaps a little too violently. 21 minutes after 12 is the time. Paul is in Chelmsford. Paul, question or answer? It's a question, James. Sorry, mate. I'm surprised you're still here. I don't know where all that came from. Let's crack on with the business in hand, shall we? That's, that's all right. Um, um, why does the internet slow down when it rains? That was the rejected first draft of Travis's best-known single, I think. But uh, <laughs> if we're, are we certain that it does? Well, I, it's only anecdotal. It's purely anecdotal. But wherever I've lived, and I've never lived, you know, like, in, you know, out-of-the-way out areas. I live in towns. and sure. things, Whichever internet service provider I've had, and I'm because I'm, I'm a writer. I'm, I'm at the I'm at the thing all day. I'm at my computer all day, and I'm I'm yeah. you know, researching stuff as I write. When it rains and when it really pours down, my internet slows down. You know, yeah. my downloads get slower. Yeah, you mean a real longer. pelting, don't you? You don't mean yeah. a light shower. I've recognised this as well. Do you have satellite television? I do. Does that get affected as well? It has done. Yeah, yeah. Has but that could time. be the internet linked to the satellite television. So yeah. I, 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 you, we, we, I don't know. We, we, we often say the plural of anecdote is not data, but I, data. I, I'm, I'm joining you on this one, which means okay. it is data so, now. So why does it happen? Why does it always mess up my internet when it rains? As Travis almost sang. Um, you're on. <laughs> okay, I'll get, I'll get, I'll get, I want an answer to that, because it's true. I think we've all noticed that. Let's, let's help out, Paul. What sort of stuff do you write, Paul, if you don't mind me asking? Uh, I, I, I write books and I write for television. Oh, fantastic. Any, any, any work for me at all? Any, any, anything I can get, get involved? <laughs> no? Uh, you actually, you do owe me 700 quid for the, um, for the panini thing, which I'm still going on about. The, the, uh, what, back in the day when we had a... What a panini no, 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 thing? No, no, the, the, other, the other week you, you said if you rang in... And oh, said, that was a figure of speech, mate. Honestly, I don't know. 23 minutes after 12, ban him. Don't let him back on, ever. Ross is in Chiswick, God's own country. Ross, question or answer? A question, please, James. Carry on, Ross. Well, uh, the question is, when you get a, a fever and your temperature shoots right up, why is it that you feel cold and you start to shiver even though your temperature's gone up? Is it because your temperature goes up so you are hotter than the air around you, which means the air around you absorbs the heat that's coming out of you, and as the heat that's coming out of you gets absorbed by the air around you, it leaves you feeling cold inside? Would you not always be hotter than the air around you? Uh, yeah. <laughs> 
Why, when you have a temperature, do you feel colder? You don't. You have a fever. You feel hot, don't you? Sometimes. It's... Well, the, the example I had was last week. I had a, a very high temperature, and my other half was saying that I was sort of radiating heat. I was sat there in a jumper and gloves and big socks because you felt freezing. freezing. Oh, I like that. Exactly. Then. I like that. You're on. Okay, it's a deal. Why? Why? When Ross was ill last week and and he was freezing cold, was he radiating? Well, that might be it again. I th- I'm going back to my first answer because you were radiating heat outwards. It was leaving you cold inwards. But you're not going to take that as definitive, are you, mate? Not definitive. No, no. you'd be mad. You'd be mad, frankly, to do so. 24 minutes after 12. Cold, hot, and temperatures. Christian's in Wandsworth. Christian, question or answer? I'll try and answer out on you, please. Carry on, Christian. Um, I think it's overwhelmingly likely that saloons didn't have swing doors. And this is premised on the history of the Wild West in South Dakota, Nebraska and Wyoming, in relation to which I'm a nerd. Not a nerd, an enthusiast, Christian. This is an intellectual forum. You don't have to apologise for being interested and open-minded in things. This is an oasis of intelligence and thoughtfulness. You should know that by now. Bless you, mate. Carry on. As you probably know, um, some of the characters that became fantasised in Wild West literature and film were premised on people that existed, like Calamity Jane and Wild Bill. Um, Wild Bill Hickok was killed by the coward Jack McCall, in fact, in a pub in Deadwood, South Dakota, in the late 19th century. Uh, And that pub was called The Gem, and pictures of The Gem pub show regular doors, just two doors closed, like you might have on a a sort of estate house. Do you know what I mean? Of course, it makes sense. And and the reason why they had swing doors, probably a film director came up with it, and well, it worked really well. Would be my guess, the dramatic entrance. Yeah, exactly so that. I and everyone spins round and sees it. It'd be a bit odd if he, if he came in and then he had to turn around and close the door behind him. It wouldn't have quite the same dramatic cachet, would it? No. Can I, can I throw in a little caveat? Of course you can, it's mate. Some of the stuff I've read, um, it said that the, the very, very small bars might have had swing doors. Oh, yeah. So if I put it in a modern context, like a pop-up, in Deadwood, you would have, like, a, a well-built pub, like the Gem, which is famed. But some merchant would just shove a pop-up up to use a... Oh, uh, yeah, and so there'd be and nothing left there that. overnight. He'd, he'd, yeah, he'd, he'd flog all his hooch. He'd had a barrel of beer. He'd flog all his hooch, and then he'd, then he'd, then he'd head off. He'd hoof it home. But in terms of a big pucker saloon with the gallery and all the stuff we see in the wild west films almost certainly not swing doors i um do you watch deadwood the one with yeah yeah i saw ian mcshane last week in a restaurant in soho ian mcshane is a hero he's the don isn't he how cool is ian mcshane yeah i just imagine being that cool i can't mate i can't even imagine it i can dream of it but i can't he walks into (laughs) the restaurant i mean how old is he now is he in his 70s do you think He's pretty, he's at least late 60s, isn't he? He must be. His love joy was years ago. And he just, he came in and he's just got that thing that some actors have, male and female, oh, regardless of what. Yeah, oh, mate, it was unbelievable. Unbelievable. But I digress. Your qualifications are your enthusiasm for Matters Wild West, and your reward is a round of applause. Thank you, sir. No, thank you, you sir. No, oh, you take care. And keep up, keep up the style. I like that. I know that. I need to find something to get interested in. That's why I was talking about that comedy thing. Jimmy knows what I'm talking about. Why is that funny when someone else says it and not funny when I do? There's two other things he writes, um, Jimmy B, uh, that, that, than timing. Two things other than timing that also make things funny. The unexpected and specificity 
which are comedy tools that Paul Merton uses a lot. Paul Merton, probably the funniest man in the country. Matthew is in Colchester. Matthew, question or answer? Uh question although i don't have an answer for another one later if you want to take no it. only one i'm afraid it's too popular only to allow I'll, 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 I'll stick i'll stick with a question then good man what are moles and why do we have them as in the moles on the skin not the thing that borrow that's spoil sport um aren't they kind of anomalies of melanin isn't it isn't it the pigmentation unexpectedly <laughs> gathering in certain places pooling in certain places and they serve no purpose whatsoever Okay, but why would that happen though? So, what is the mechanism by which they, by which they appear? Yeah, all right. Yeah, yeah. So, what is a mole that doesn't live in a hole? Yeah, yeah that works. <laughs> oh, three, four, five, six, oh, six, oh, nine, seven, three. I like that. I actually have to apologise to my twelve-year-old who isn't listening today because she's at school, but she asked the question. My sister's texting me now, so I got a text off my wife telling me to stop swearing on Twitter, and now I got a text off my sister telling me that my daughter asked the question about the internet and the rain last summer holidays. Well, I can't remember the answer. Sue me, all of you. Honestly, you can choose your friends. Dom is in Durham. Dom, question or answer? I have an answer for you, James. Carry on, Dom. And it's the answer to do with the whether, why, for different languages have masculine and feminine nouns. Oh, brilliant. Go on. So, um... Basically, it depends what the origin of the language is. Yes. So, for example, Latin has masculine, feminine, and neuter nouns. Yes. And then the reason why each group, each language has different groups of nouns, basically we call them masculine and feminine because generally male things fall into the masculine category and female things fall into the feminine category. But the, as to whether who decides or not is based on the spelling um, and... <laughs> I'm trying to explain it. Um, Take your time, Tom. It's a very complicated <laughs> issue. <laughs> it's, it's, to do, it's to do with how it's spelled, how it sounds, and the origin from which language it... The, the language from I don't know if that counts as an answer, mate. Sure? Well, it, it kind of... that That is what I think everybody listening would have concluded. So your yeah. challenge is to prove it. Do you see what I mean? Or I suppose I can ask you what your qualifications are. That might help. Well, I am a teacher of uh, French, Spanish and German in a secondary school. <laughs> That doesn't, though. I think you need to be a historian of language rather than a speaker of languages on this one, because obviously it is... Because barb is an interesting one. What's the French for beard? It's la barbe. Are you sure it's la? It is la barbe. Oh, okay. Because someone have suggested... The reason why is because generally nouns that are feminine will end with an E in French, but they're similar in Spanish with an A, so it's barba, whereas in German you would have the... uh, the word is Bart, which is a dare, it's a masculine noun, and it literally just depends on the origin of the word where it came But, it, but it's going to kind of, that's where I'm stumbling, because it's going to, it clearly has the same origin. Um, yeah, possibly, but it depends, but again, it depends on the spelling and the... Uh, and okay, the let me try, let me try another angle, Teach, because I think you're close, all right? <laughs> what, what purpose does it serve? Because we don't have it in this la- in, in English. So what purpose does it serve in other languages, the, 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 the words having gender? Well, well, well they, they do in this country, but we, do, we have the same indefinite, indefinite articles for each, for each group of nouns. So what purpose does it serve having different definite and indefinite articles for words according to whether they're masculine or feminine? Well, well that's the thing. Nobody knows because nobody decides. But how did it happen then? How did it start? Why did it start? That's really where the question leads us. This is quite Aristotelian, isn't it, in the way we're breaking this down? Weird, yeah. Um, well, it's, well it's, it's to do with the fact, it's to do with pronunciation, so, in, um, and just literally the way 
people have said things over the years. Maybe. I, I, I'm going to give you a round of applause because you're such a, a, a good disseminator of knowledge, but I, I think there's still room for one last push on this. Why did it start? So, do, do English words have masculine and feminine? We just don't recognise it or denote it? We have masculine and feminine things which are nouns, but because our, our articles are the same... But the, the Is that right? So is church masculine or feminine? Sorry? The church, is it masculine or feminine? In... English. Well, it's just, well, it's neuter, isn't it? I don't know. Because we've got the three genders, haven't we? Well, what's beard in English? Is beard in English masculine or feminine? <laughs> That's a very good question. <laughs> Give him a round of applause. He's, he's already done more than enough. More than enough. You remind me of that geography teacher I mentioned occasionally on Mystery Hour, who would, uh, anything that wasn't on the GCSE syllabus, if you asked him about it, he'd say, don't know, nobody knows, don't need to know. You're listening to a podcast of James O'Brien from LBC. Mystery Hour is upon us, I think. I may have been a little generous to give Dom his round of applause, but, I, I, you know, the man's a teacher, so he's already done more than enough to spread knowledge and enlightenment before ringing Mystery Hour. But I still think that the very beginnings of giving words, genders, still elude us. It may be that they're lost in the mists of time, but if they're not, you'll get on. I think we're cool on the swing doors. Why does the internet go down when it rains? Um... And, and this is, you see, if it was Paul Merton saying that thing about that was the rejected first draft of Travis's best known song, you'd be wetting yourself laughing. But it's me saying it. It's a good joke, but it's just not as funny. Um, why do we feel so cold when we've got a temperature that proves we're actually very hot? And what are moles? Not the ones that live in holes, holes, but the ones on our skins. Jason's in Rains Park. Jason, question or answer? Uh, question, James. Carry on, mate. I've always wondered this. If you're a, uh, a, an apprentice tattooist, yeah. how do you learn? Pigs. Because there's a world of difference from uh, drawing on a piece of paper to actually doing it on someone's arm with a tattoo gun. You're not wrong. So you, and once it's down on somebody's arm, if you're no good, they're can't, stuck with that. You can't rub it out. No, practice. no. pigs. Pictures. Pigs. Pigs will fly. Pigs. Oh, really? Dead so, pigs. What, you reckon they do it? On, you reckon they do they it? Don't reckon. I, I mean, come on, I am the fount of all knowledge. It is. It, they practice on dead pigs. No. Yes. Think about no. it. So it's it's perfect answer. No, I can't see that. It's what you, you're saying. The, the school of tattooists is full of dead pigs. Yeah. No, yeah. no, there's, there's got to be a... Well, a, there's, there's, there's gradations of, it, of, of of learning. I don't think you, you don't turn up on your first day at tattoo school and they give you a pig, obviously. But so you, you, you start off with your techniques, but when you, first, when you first puncture skin as a tattooist, it will be the skin of a dead pig. Really? Yep. No, I don't. Next time you have a bag of pork scratchings, Jason, have a, have, go through them quite carefully. <laughs> and, and you might find a skull and crossbones on one of them. <laughs> now that's funny. Thank you, but if Paul Merton said it, the whole country would be hilarious. laughing. I'd be absolutely rolling around. Exactly, it's not fair. <laughs> but it, it is true. Crazy. It's the cor- It's the correct answer. Yeah, I, can't, I just can't see it. I'm not in this day and age. They've got to be somewhere. You, you've got to get good. You can't get good just doing it on something like that. I think you, there's probably something you can practice on that's not organic matter, but when you're ready to pierce skin with your tattoo gun or needle, it's a pig, mate. It's a dead I, pig. I've just never seen them. I've never had a, 
a joint of pork with an anchor on the side of it. I'm well, you don't know that, do you? Because you, you don't sell it raw to, 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 you know, Jason in Rain's Park to knock up a stroganoff. You see, you, you might have eaten it in a restaurant and not known. And also, you don't eat the skin on pork, usually. Certainly not in a stew. You could easily do a few tattoos on a pig carcass, bung it back down the abattoir, stick it all in pork pies, mate. No, I've never seen one in a butcher's window. Not, not with a, you know, a scorpion or something like that on it. Oh, Mum, love and hate on his knuckles. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> on his trotters. <laughs> No, it is done on pigskin. It's done, I swear it's done on pigskin, but if you're not going to take my answer, because, I, I mean, you, you haven't rung for a while, but you are one of my all-time favourite callers to LBC, not just on this programme, but on Nick's as well. So, in honour of your status, Jason, I am going to leave it on the board until someone who is a proper tattooist rings in and proves that I'm right, OK? Thank you. You're welcome. Mind how you go. It's 12.40. Peter is in Wensbury. Um, question or answer, Peter? It's an answer, James. Carry on, mate. Yeah, it's the internet question why it slows down. Go on. Yeah, um, so the cable that's underground, it's yeah. affected by moisture in the air, and even if it's cloudy, it does a slightly drop as well. So the water acts as a resistance on the copper cable, and that's why you get a little bit of a slowdown while the internet's down. Qualifications? Uh, I work for one of the major telecommunications providers in the UK. Can I tell you what Jones the Engineer said? Go on. He said it's because when it's raining really heavily, there's more people at home using the internet, so it slows down. Uh, there is an element of that. Oh, shut up. Provider you work for. Oh, enough, it depends on the cable. You said earlier that you think the internet comes through the satellite. It doesn't. It comes through an either Doctor's Three cable or a... No, 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 no. What I said was, and this is my mistake, I should have been clearer. What I said was my, my telly goes on the blink as well sometimes when it's raining really heavily, and I just wondered, because I know the satellite's on the roof, so it's not coming through yeah. a cable, but I wondered whether that was because it's also linked to the internet. So, do you see what I mean? Because I've got... Yeah, you, you, that's what you um, mean. No, that's, that's too separate. Yeah, but that's, that's the reason it's the white game. Oh, the qualifications are perfect. Um, accents making me homesick. So, oh, sorry about that. It's, it's, it's all right, mate. It's all right. Well, I mean, but that's proper black country, isn't it, Wednesbury? Yeah, it is. That is that is as black country as you can get. Ah, round of applause. Did you know that Gil Scott Heron's dad used to play for Kidderminster Harriers? I'm not a Kidderminster Harriers fan, but my football team, West Brom, they play their reserve games there at Agborough. They have. They, we often get a bit of pre-season action from West Brom, actually, and yeah, Wolves. Happy days. I might see you there one day for uh, one of Brian Murdoch's famous one kilogram pies, Peter. Oh, I look forward to that. You know what, James? If I see you, I'll buy you a pint. Oh, well, I'll buy you one back, mate. I promise. It's only fair. And that book of Kidderminster anecdotes is, is getting getting more 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 attractive by the minute. Jeff is in Litchfield, also actually not far from home in Staffordshire. Je- Jeff, what would you like to say? Hello. Nice question. Carry on, Jeff. Uh, there's the uh, the Thames flood barrier. Yeah. Uh, well, when uh, Having an exceptionally high tide, they close the barrier to, to uh, protect the city from the flooding, right? Yeah. Well, when the barrier is closed, being as the river is flowing to the sea, why doesn't the river build up behind the barrier and flood, you know, cause flooding? Because they only yeah. c- close it at low tide. Oh, no, because then you'd still expect well, they, it to fill up. If they're expecting a. Be a big surge, yeah, but it surge. is tight, it is tidal, and it's never shut for very long. Is that what the re- is that is? I imagine it is because there's no time for the 
supports to build up. If it was there, for, if you shut it for a week, we'd, we'd, we'd it'd be yeah. like it'd be like that Kevin Costa film, wouldn't it? We'd all, we'd all be underwater. But I yeah. think it's because it's tidal. You can close it for that bit where the tide and the and the and the and the surge would combine to create possible flooding. But that passes quite quickly, and then they open it up again, and everything gets flushed out. Yeah. Right. Yeah? Um, I mean, yeah. I've worked that out, so I can't have a yeah. round of applause, Jeff. I'm going to have to wait till yeah. someone who actually knows what they're okay. talking about. Yeah. I'll have to bring you again, because I've actually got six questions for you. Well, keep, keep them on a list, Jeff, and start... Yeah, I've got four sensible ones and th- two frivolous ones. Give me one of the frivolous ones, just for future right. reference. Okay, then. Go on. Um, when the, um... <laughs> in the, uh, the Scottish referendum... Yeah. When they had uh, counting the votes, so this big room, big hall, with tables and people counting the votes. Yeah. Why are they all wearing high-vis jackets? <laughs> I mean, somebody must have come up with the idea, and I just wondered what the purpose was for it. <laughs> <laughs> I look forward to you getting through with that one, Jeff. If anybody listening already knows the answer, you have to listen to every mystery hour until Jeff gets through again. And he, there's no guarantee he'll ask that one first. He might do his four serious ones and his other frivolous one before he gets back to the high-vis jackets. 12.44 is the time. Let's squeeze in Luke, who's in Slough. Question or answer, Luke? It's an answer. To uh, confirm that your uh, your story about using pigskin tattooists is, is totally accurate. And uh, Oh, thank you very much. No, thank that's you. mine. That's thank mine, you. mate. Back in your box. That's yeah, for me, obviously. I'm I, I not one for calling in and confirming. Uh, that can you add to it at all? Uh, sure, indeed. Um, we do, of course, have a, a type of synthetic skin, which is used quite often now, which is uh, more appropriate for those tattooists of the uh, the vegan variety. Yeah, uh, and, of course, it does the ink. So now you've got vegan ink uh, alongside the... Um, well, pre- previously, people used to say they were made of tires and burnt bones, but these days, of course, it's a much more... Uh, uh, animal and uh, I hadn't well, thought I hadn't thought of that angle to it actually. Can you you can't clean the synthetic skin because once you've tattooed it under the epidermis, even if it's man-made, you, you can't then use it. You can't like there's not like an etch a sketch equivalent of synthetic skin. <laughs> no, you don't shake it and it disappears. No <laughs> um, qualifications, uh, Luke. Uh, qualifications, and tutor. And do you have your own practice? Do you have your own studio? Um, I, I'm mobile, I'm so um, I have my own uh, trolley and box, if that uh, constitutes... Well, I'm just trying to give you a free advert, so uh, that's all, but it's tricky, isn't it, if you're on the road all the time? You can't give out your phone number. What's the name of... Do you have the biz- does the business have a name, or is it just Luke and, Luke and his needles? Yeah, just, just Luke and his art. I, uh, I get my, my business through word of mouth, so uh, you know, not booking now till June. When you um, do your first human, yeah. do you have to tell them? I was my first human. Oh. Uh, it was yes. In fact, I, I tattooed on before I went through the synthetic variety. It was uh, one of these. Uh, I've got to try it. I've got to find out uh, what it's like. But uh, you, you find that though the pig skin doesn't move quite like human skin. It's not really all that accurate. It's a little bit tougher. And as you would as you human, what you do is you'd cut the skin. Make we're lo- we're skin. losing the line, but you've already covered yourself in glory and tattoos. Something a little bit special has just happened. Okay. Um, if you're a David Bowie fan, then... I know his son Duncan is a, is, is a big fan of the show as well, but this is, this is amazing, because I did something. If you're a massive David Bowie fan, then you might have noticed that I did something about ten minutes ago. Right, I, I'm going to give you more details after this. You're listening to a podcast of James O'Brien from LBC. Uh, so, I don't know if you... Uh, I mean, my, probably in my top 
three albums of all time would be Hunky Dory by David Bowie. A huge... I love David Bowie. I'm not... I'm, I'm, my friend Sam is nuts, David Bowie, so I can't claim to be... even likes Tim Machine. But I do listen to Hunky Dory a lot. It's got one of my favourite songs on it, Kooks. If I ever get on Desert Island Discs, don't be surprised if Kooks pops up there. But there's that wonderful song, Andy Warhol, which is prefaced with, with, a, with a studio exchange where they, they're talking about how to pronounce the word hold. Holes. Holes. As in holes. And when I was talking about moles earlier, I deliberately <laughs> tried to <laughs> do the same tone and voice as Bowie's got on Hunky Dory when he's saying holes, as in holes, war holes. And that's what I did. And now, I just had a tweet off the David Bowie official account, the kind of official um, account for David Bowie fans, that said, and I kid you not, did James just reiterate the pronunciation of holes, moles, as a reference to David Bowie's Andy Warhol? To which the answer is yes. I think that's wonderful. If it was Bowie himself, which is of course impossible because he's no longer with us, um, that would be a Ray Liotta moment. But I don't think I can give one... Can I give one just to the person who... I mean, he's got a million followers. It's clearly an absolutely kosher Bowie. Yeah, give... No, no I can't because it happened on Twitter. Oh. And, and as Gary reminds us, there was a time... You'll like this as well, David Bowie official, because I can see that you're listening. You've sent me a text. Um, and Gary rang from Ibiza, and immediately after speaking to Gary in Ibiza, I took a call from the Norfolk Broads. That's one for the purists. Uh, Aaron is in Hendon. Aaron, question or answer? Question. Carry on. Hi, so I was wondering, whenever going into a bathroom in the UK and you look at shavers and electric like appliances there, you're always going to have European plugs and European sockets? Is it a European socket? Are you sure? If you take your shaver to... France and can you just plug it straight into the wall or is it not you a slightly plug it straight into the wall you can can you European okay and you want to know why why have we got the European ones in our bathrooms and not in the rest of our house or indeed vice versa yes. are you I'm in a sure bathroom at the moment are you in a bathroom at the moment I'm in my car park oh well, it's very echoey is this any better no, I like echoes. I, 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 okay. I, I, I kind of. I used to do a little Prince tribute whenever someone was in an echoey car park. But I've just done my David Bowie tribute, so we should probably leave um, late legends at the door. Okay, off. Uh, off. Caller, so thank you very much. No, thank you very much. Nice to have you on board, Aaron. I'll do my best to get you an answer. It's a fair point that. Why do you have that two-pronged socket in a bathroom when we don't have it in the rest of the building? Whereas if we went to continental Europe and elsewhere in the world, that you'd have them in the rest of the building. We need an electrician. Jean is Jean Genie. Oh, it just keeps on coming today. Jean's in Bromley. Jean, question or answer? Hello, Jack. Hello. It's a question. Carry on, Jean. It's been niggling me for months and months. Oh, yeah. Um, it will probably only interest um, Coronation Street watchers. When the title of Coronation Street comes up, yeah. not, when, not when all the meerkats are running about, but no. when you come down to the basic last stage music yeah. and it says the rovers return yeah. on the bottom right hand corner of the screen yeah. nine times out of ten there is a large white block capital letter P and sometimes you get this on Emmerdale, they're the only two soaps I watch yeah, of course. <laughs> um, and I want to know what the P stands for so it's, it's, so it's on the screen it's on the screen and it's when the Coronation Street music comes up just before the actual... Program. A large white P in the bottom right-hand corner of the screen. Yeah, and, and it's an open P, if I can explain to you. It's not... Um, it's a large um, block capital, but it, it's an open P. It's um, not solid. 
You mean it's got a squiggle rather than no, a... It, it's, got a, it's an outline, let's put it that way. It's an outline. It isn't a solid P, but it's definitely a letter P. Have and you... And like. you've only ever seen it on Corrie and Emmerdale? That's right. Not on that, and do you watch other programmes? I know you don't watch well, other soaps. I watch other programmes, yeah. but I don't watch any other soaps. No, no. but you, you've never seen this big P on I've any other programme. I've never seen it before, but it's, it's nine times out of ten. Um, Has anyone else... Have you shown it to anyone else, Jean? I've commented to yeah. other people, and no one, no one seems to say, no, I've not really noticed it. They're probably... Perhaps they're not as curious That's, as me. Maybe not. I, well, I'm, I'm, in, I'm intrigued now. Exactly. You watch Corrie tonight. I will. Is it on tonight? I don't know, Thursday. is it? Thursday. Thursday? I don't know. No. But oh. it's, as I say, it's not when all the meerkats are jumping about. No, I, I get that. I get that. It, it's at the very end. Okay. Of the and, it, and it happens on Emmerdale as well? Occasionally on Emmerdale. Well, I never. All right. I mean, what time is it? So we've got four minutes. I'm going to do my best. Can we free out the phone lines? Because this is going to be quite a tricky one. And Jean deserves our, our, our top class mystery hour treatment today, please. Straight into the executive lounge for Jean. 0345 60609. 73 is the number that you need. Duncan is in Acton. Duncan, question or answer? Hi, James. Uh, answer. I'm going to try the, uh, the mole one. Moles. Something from, from moles, ago, as moles. moles, as in moles. As in moles, not the speaking moles. Carry on. Um, it's to do with skin cells in your body, which are called melocytes. And melocytes are usually distributed evenly around the body. Yes. And determine how dark your skin is. But in a mole, just through accident of nature, purely accident of nature, they cluster in one part. And they usually cluster in specific, specific areas of the body. Um, lots of people have them on their backs and shoulders for some reason, but it's simply an accident of nature. Well, that is what I said. Yeah, that is what you said. What are your qualifications? My qualifications are, you remember the big Encyclopedia Britannica, the 20 books or so you used to have when you were, you know, on your bookshelf? I, try, I, spent, I spent a day and a half in 1990 trying to sell them door to door. <laughs> well, this is one of the first things that me and my dad looked up, because he had lots of moles, and I said, you know, wh why do you have them? So we looked it up in that, years ago. And you remembered the word melocytes? I remember the word melocyte. Good it's work. in my head. Now, that's what gives Brilliant. you the round of applause and not me, because you've got the fancy lingo. Thank you. All right, welcome. Good work, Duncan. Wayne is in... Oh, go on then. Wayne's in Basildon. Question or answer? Hello, mate. It's an answer to a question that I've already answered before. Nee, 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 nee. <laughs> it's the uh, P in the bottom right-hand corner of the TV screen. Yeah. It denotes that that show has got product placement within it. So that's kind of like a pre-warning. You see it on, like, Big Brother, and they do them really blatant close-ups of products and things like that. Sweet. Qualifications? Oh, I'll, I'll watch a lot of telly. I was not telling you, but when it first happened, it was quite well sort of publicised as to it was starting. That completely passed me by. And oddly, I can't even remember you explaining it to me before either. Are you sure you, this is one that you've done? Definitely. I was parked up in Enfield at the time, and I rang you and told you. It's been a while, mate. I remember them all. It's been a while, mate. There yeah. you go. How's that feel? Awesome. Where are you now? There's birdsong in the background. I thought you were in Basildon. No, I'm in a little village just north of Reading doing um, a loft um, intonation survey, so I've just got to run back in there now and finish it off. All right. Did they have me on the radio, or did you come in and put your own radio on? No, i just come back to the van to get some paperwork, and the radio was on, and I heard the question, so I thought I'll quickly try it, and it went straight through for yeah, the first time. Sweet as a nice, because I've, I've told them, mate, you, you've golden ticket. You come through on the special lane. Wayne in Basildon getting his umpteenth round of applause. Uh, squeeze in one more. Gary's in Walthamstow. Gary, question it or answer? Answer, James. Carry on, Gary. The, um, bathroom. It's the, the socket in the bathroom isn't exactly the same as a European one. I, I didn't one. think it's it was. I didn't think it it's, was. It's, 
it's an isolated transformer that's in there that isolates the the mains from the the supply from the main so that if you got a shock it wouldn't kill you yeah there's basically there's no earth connection to it and you need uh, an earth to give you a shock from a live or a neutral through your body so it's an isolated transformer it's not the same as the others because so why aren't all why aren't all sockets like that then it's expensive oh is it that simple and you wouldn't and you wouldn't yeah and you wouldn't be able to draw the amount of current that you need to have that transformer got you yeah, I think no, I'm going to pretend. There's no way you're making this up. I'm going to pretend I understand. Qualifications? <laughs> Let's engineer. That'll do. See that, Jones? Proper engineer, mate. <laughs> Proper engineer. Knows about, pl- knows about plugs and stuff. <laughs> That's it from me. What a lovely show. Thank you. God knows we need it at the moment, don't we? Uh, we will dive back into the misery that is the current government uh, tomorrow, no doubt. But until then, here's Sheila Fogarty. If you enjoyed this podcast, hear James O'Brien live every weekday morning from 10, only on LBC.